This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Tonight, we begin with a classic episode of Suspense Theater, The Hitchhiker, starring Orson Welles, a story of a motorist who is stalked on a cross-country trip by a nondescript man who keeps appearing at the side of the road. The story was written by Lucille Fletcher, an American screenwriter of film, radio, and television. Her credits include the show we're about to listen to, written especially for Orson Welles. She also wrote Sorry, Wrong Number, one of the most celebrated plays in the history of American radio, which she adapted and expanded for the 1950, uh, pardon me, 1948 film noir classic of the same name, Sorry, Wrong Number. So here then is The Hitchhiker, starring Orson Welles. The Columbia Network takes pleasure in bringing you Suspense. Columbia's parade of outstanding thrillers, produced and directed by William Spear and scored by Bernard Herrmann. The notable melodramas from stage and screen, fiction and radio, presented each week to bring you to the edge of your chair, to keep you in suspense. Good evening. This is Orson Welles. And very happy I am to be back in the United States and back on the Columbia Network, even for so short a visit as this one. Back with old friends like Johnny Dietz, who's tonight's director, and Bernard Herman. The Mercury Theater presented tonight's radio play for the first time last year. We came right out then and hailed it as a classic of the medium. Nobody argued the point. A lot of people asked us to do it again, so it's gratifying to get the chance now and to find a favorite of ours in this distinguished anthology of spook shows. Personally, I've never met anybody who didn't like a good ghost story, but I know a lot of people who think there are a lot of people who don't like a good ghost story. For the benefit of these, at least, I go on record at the outset of this evening's entertainment with a sober assurance that although blood may be curdled on this program, none will be spilt. There's no shooting, knifing, throttling, axing, or poisoning here. No clanking chains, no cobwebs, no bony and or hairy hands appearing from secret panels or, better yet, bedroom curtains. If it's any part of that dear old phosphorescent foolishness that people who don't like ghost stories don't like, then again, I promise you, we haven't got it. Not tonight. What we do have is a thriller. 
It's half as good as we think it is. You can call it a shocker. It's already been called a real Orson Welles story. Now, frankly, I don't know what this means. I've been on the air directing and acting in my own shows for quite a while now, and I don't suppose I've done more than half a dozen thrillers in all that time. Honestly, I don't think even that many, but it seems I do have a reputation for the uncanny. Quite possibly, a little escapade of mine involving a couple of planets, which shall be nameless, is responsible. Doesn't really matter. Don't think I disapprove of thrillers. I don't. A story doesn't have to appeal to the heart. It can also appeal to the spine. Sometimes you want your heart to be warmed, and sometimes you want your spine to tingle. The tingling, it's to be hoped, will be quite audible as you listen tonight to The Hitchhiker. That's the name of our story, The Hitchhiker. I'm in an auto camp on Route 66, just west of Gallup, New Mexico. If I tell it, perhaps it'll help me. Keep me from going, going crazy. I've got to tell this quickly. I'm not crazy now. I feel perfectly well, except that I'm running a slight temperature. My name is Ronald Adams. I'm 36 years of age. Unmarried, tall, dark, with a black mustache. I drive a 1940 Buick, license number 6Y175189. I was born in Brooklyn. All this I know. I know that I'm at this moment perfectly sane. But it's not me who's gone mad. It's something else. Something utterly beyond my control. I've got to speak quickly. At any minute, the link may break. This may be the last thing I ever tell on Earth. The last night I ever see the stars. 6 days ago I left Brooklyn to drive to California. Goodbye, son. Good luck to you, my boy. Goodbye, mother. Here, give me a kiss. And I'll go. I'll come out with you to the car. Oh no, it's raining. Stay here at the door. <laughs> What's this? Tears? I thought you'd promise me you wouldn't cry. Oh, I, I know, dear. I, I'm sorry. But I I do hate to see mother, you. Come. I'll be back. It'll only be the, on the coast three months. Oh, it isn't that. It's, it's just the trip. Ronald, I wish you weren't driving. Oh, Mother, there you go again. People do it every day. I know, but you're a bit careful, won't you? Promise me you'll be extra careful. Don't fall asleep or drive fast or pick up any strangers on the road. Oh, gosh. I think I was still 17 here, you told Oh, and why? I mean, as soon as you get to Hollywood, won't you, son? Of course I will. Don't you worry. There's nothing going to happen. It's just eight days of perfectly simple driving on smooth, decent, civilized roads with a hot dog or a hamburger stand every ten miles. spirits. The drive ahead of me, even the loneliness seemed like a lark. I reckoned without him. Crossing Brooklyn Bridge that morning in the rain, I saw a man leaning against the cables. He seemed to be waiting for a lift. There were spots of fresh rain on his shoulders. He was carrying a cheap overnight bag in one hand. He was thin, nondescript, with a cap 
fall down over his eyes. I would have forgotten him completely except that just an hour later, while crossing the Pulaski Skyway over the Jersey Flats, I saw him again. At least, he looked like the same person. He was standing now with one thumb pointing west. I couldn't figure out how he got there, but I thought probably one of those fast trucks had picked him up, beaten me to the Skyway and let him off. I didn't stop for him. And late that night, I saw him again. It's on the new Pennsylvania turnpike between Harrisburg and Pittsburgh. It's 265 miles long with a very high speed limit. I was just slowing down for one of the tunnels when I saw him, standing under an arc light by the side of the road. I'd seen quite distinctly the bag, the cap, even the spots of fresh rain spread over his shoulders. like a shot. That's lonely country through the Alleghenies, and I had no intention of stopping. Besides the coincidences or whatever it was, maybe the Willies. Stopped at the next gas station. Yes, sir. Uh, fill her up. Certainly, sir. Check your oil, sir? No, thanks. It hasn't been raining here recently, has it? Not a drop of rain all week. Oh? Oh, I, I suppose that doesn't done your business any harm. Oh, people drive through here all kinds of weather. Mostly business, you know. There aren't many pleasure cars out on the turnpike this season of the year. I suppose not. What, uh, uh what about hitchhikers? <laughs> hitchhikers here? What's the matter? Don't you ever see any? Not much. If we did, it'd be a sight for sore eyes. Why? Oh, a guy'd be a fool who started out to hitch rides on this road. Look at it. Then, you've never seen anybody? No. Maybe they get the lift before the turnpike starts. I mean, you know, just before the toll house. But then it'd be a mighty long ride. Most cars wouldn't want to pick up a guy for that long a ride. And you know, this is pretty lonesome country here. Mountains and woods. You ain't seen anybody like that, have you? Uh, no. Oh, no, not, not at all. I was just uh, a technical question. <laughs> I see. Well, that'll be just a dollar forty-nine with the tax. Then gradually passed through my mind a sheer coincidence. I had a good night's sleep in Pittsburgh. I didn't think about the man all next day until just outside of Zanesville, Ohio, I saw him again. It's a bright, sunshiny afternoon. The peaceful Ohio fields, brown with the autumn stubble, lay greening in the golden light. I was driving slowly, drinking it in, when the road suddenly ended in a detour. In front of the barrier, he was standing. Now let me explain about his appearance before I go on. I repeat, there was nothing sinister about him. He was as drab as a mud fence. Or was his attitude menacing? He merely stood there, waiting, almost drooping a little, with a cheap overnight bag in his hand. He looked as though he'd been waiting there for hours. And he looked up. He hailed me. 
He started to walk forward. Hello? 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 No, not just now. Sorry. Go to California? No, not today. The other way. Going to New York. Sorry. Picking him up, of having him sit beside me was somehow unbearable. At the same time, I felt more than ever unspeakably alone. Hour after hour went by. Fields, the towns ticked off one by one. The light changed. I knew now that I was going to see him again. And though I dreaded the sight, I caught myself searching the side of the road, waiting for him to appear. Sandwiches and pop here, don't you? Yeah, we go in the daytime. But we're closed up now for the I know, but I was wondering if you could possibly have a cup of coffee, black coffee. Just No, not this time of night, mister. My wife's a cook. She's a man. Don't shut the door, please. Listen, just a minute ago. uh, (laughs) Just a minute ago, there was a man standing here right beside the stand, a suspicious-looking man. I I don't mean to disturb it. You see, I was driving along when I just happened to look, and there he was. How was he doing? Well, nothing. You've been taking a nip. That's what you've been doing. Now, why your way before I call out care of boats? I got into the car again and drove on slowly. It's getting to hate the car. If I could have found a place to stop, to rest a little. I was in the Ozark Mountains of Missouri now. A few resort places there were closed, only an occasional log cabin, seemingly deserted. That's all that broke the monotony of the wild, wooded landscape. And I had seen him at that roadside stand. I knew I'd see him again. Maybe at the next turn of the road. I knew that when I saw him next, I would run him down. next afternoon. I stopped a car at a sleepy little junction just across the border into Oklahoma to let a train pass by. When he appeared across the tracks, leaning against a telephone pole. Perfectly airless, dry day. The red clay of Oklahoma was baking under the southwestern sun. Yet there were spots of fresh rain on his shoulders. I couldn't stand that. Without thinking, blindly, I started the car across the tracks. He didn't look up at me. He was staring at the ground. I stepped on the gas hard, bearing the heel sharply toward him. I could hear the train in the distance now, but I didn't care. Then something went wrong with the car. The train was coming closer. I could hear its bell ringing and the cry of its whistle. Still, he stood there. And now I knew that he was beckoning, beckoning me to my death.
demonstrated him that time. The starter worked at last. I managed to back up. When the train passed, he was gone. I was all alone in the hot, dry afternoon. After that, I knew I had to do something. I didn't know who this man was or what he wanted of me. I only knew that from now on, I mustn't let myself alone on the road for one minute. Uh, hello there. Like a ride? Well, what do you think? How far are you going? Uh, where do you want to go? Amarillo, Texas. I'll drive you there. Gee. Uh, you mind if I take off my shoes? My dogs are killing me. Go right ahead. Oh, gee, what a break. Are you hitchhiked much? Sure, only it's tough sometimes in these great open spaces to get the break. Yeah, I should think it would be, though. I'll bet you get a good pickup in a fast car. If you did, you could get places faster than, say, another person in another car, couldn't you? I don't get you. Well, take me, for instance. Suppose I'm I'm driving across the country, say, at a nice steady clip about 45 miles an hour. Uh, couldn't couldn't a girl like you just standing beside the road waiting for Liz beat me to town? Or any town, provided she got picked up every time in a car doing from 65 to 70 miles an hour? I don't know. What difference does it make? Oh, no difference. It's just a crazy idea I had sitting here in the car. Oh, imagine spending your time in a swell car thinking of things like that. What would you do instead? What would I do? If I was a good-looking fellow like yourself? Why, I just enjoy myself every minute of the time. I'd sit back and, and relax. What if I saw a good-looking girl along the side of the road? Hey, look out! Did you see her? See who? A man standing beside the barbed wire fence. I didn't see anybody. I... It wasn't nothing but a bunch of cows and and the wire fence. No? What do you think you was doing? Trying to run into the barbed wire fence? There a man fence? there, I tell you. A thin gray man with an overnight bag in his hand. And I, I was trying to run him down. Run him down? You mean kill him? Say you didn't see him back there? You sure? I didn't see a soul. <laughs> as far as Watch I can for him the next time and keep watching your eyes peeled on the road. He'll turn up again. Maybe any minute. There! Look there! How does this door work? I, I'm getting out Did of here. Did you see him that time? No, I didn't see him that time. And personally, mister, I don't expect never to see him. All I want to do is go on living. I don't see how I will very long, driving with you. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't... I... I don't know what came over me, but please don't go. So if you'll excuse me... You can't go. Listen, how would you like to go to California? I'll drive you to California. Seeing pink elephants all the way? No, thanks. Uh-uh, thanks just the Listen, same. Listen, please, just, just one minute, please. You know what I think you need, big boy? Not a girlfriend. Just a good dose of sleep. Please. There, I got it now. No, you can't go. Please, come Get your back. hands off me. Do you hear me? Get your hands off me. She ran from me. I were a monster. A few minutes later, I saw a passing truck pick her up. I knew then that I was utterly alone. It was in the heart of the great Texas prairies. There wasn't a car on the road after the truck went by. I tried to figure out what to do, how to get hold of myself. 
I could find a place to rest, or even if I could sleep right here in the car for a few hours along the side of the road. Just getting my winter overcoat out of the back seat to use as a blanket when I saw him coming toward me, emerging from the herd of moving steer. Hello! I should have spoken to him then. Fought it out then and there. For now, he began to be everywhere. Whenever I stopped, even for a moment, for gas, for oil, for a drink of pop, a cup of coffee, sandwich, he was there. I saw him standing outside the auto camp in Amarillo that night when I dared to slow down. Just sitting near the drinking fountain of a little camping spot just inside the border of New Mexico. He was waiting for me outside the Navajo Reservation where I stopped to check my tires. I saw him in Albuquerque when I bought 20 gallons of gas. I was... I was afraid to stop now. I began to drive faster and faster. I was... in... in lunar landscape now. The great arid Mesa country of New Mexico. I drove through it with the indifference of a fly crawling over the face of the moon. Now he didn't even wait for me to stop. Unless I drove at 85 miles an hour over those endless roads, he waited for me at every other mile. I'd see his figure, shadowless, flitting before me, still in its same attitude, over the cold, lifeless ground, flitting over dried-up rivers, over broken stones cast up by old glacial upheavals, flitting in that pure and cloudless air. I was beside myself when I finally reached Gallup, New Mexico this morning. There's an auto camp here. Cold, almost deserted this time of year. I went inside and asked if there was a telephone feeling that if only I could speak to someone familiar, someone I loved, I could pull myself together. Your call, please. Long distance. Long distance, certainly. This is long distance. I'd like, uh, I'd like to put a, in a call to my home in Brooklyn, New York. I'm Ronald Adams. I'm, uh, the, the number is Beechwood 200828. Certainly. I will try to get it for you. Albuquerque. New York for Gallup. New York. Gallup, New Mexico, calling Beechwood 200828. I read somewhere that love could banish demons. the middle of the morning. I knew Mother would be home. I pictured her tall and white-haired in her crisp house dress, going about her tasks. Be enough, I thought, just to hear the even calmness of her voice. Will you please deposit $3.85 for the first three minutes? When you have deposited a dollar and a half, will you wait until I have collected the money?
deposit another dollar and a half. Will you please deposit the remaining 85 cents? Ready with Brooklyn. Go ahead, please. Hello? hello? Mrs. Adams' residence. Hello, hello, Mother. This is Mrs. Adams' residence. Who is it you wish to speak to, please? What? Who is this? This is Mrs. Winnie. Mrs. Winnie? I I don't know any Mrs. Winnie. Is this Beechwood 208828? Yes. Uh, Where's my mother? Where's Mrs. Adams? Mrs. Adams is not at home. She's still in the hospital. The hospital? Yes. Who is this calling, please? Is it a member of the family? What's she in the hospital for? She's been prostrated for five days. Nervous breakdown. But who is this Nervous breakdown? Well, my my mother never was nervous. It's all taken place since the death of her oldest son, Ronald. Death of her... Death of her oldest son, Ronald? Hey, what's this? What number is this? This is Beechwood 20828. It's all been very sudden. He was killed just six days ago in an automobile accident on the Brooklyn Bridge. Your three minutes are up, sir. Your three minutes are up, sir. Your three minutes are up, sir. And so... So I'm sitting here in this deserted auto camp in Gallup, New Mexico. I'm trying to think... Trying to get hold of myself... Otherwise, I am going to go crazy. Outside, it's night. The vast, soulless night of New Mexico. A million stars are in the sky. Ahead of me stretch a thousand miles of empty mesa. Mountains. Prairies. Desert. Somewhere among them, he's waiting for me. Somewhere I shall know who he is and who I am. So ends the hitchhiker. And to Orson Welles, our considerable thanks for his playing of the title role. Mr. Welles. Help wanted. Men, women, and children. Nature of work, hard, monotonous, back-breaking labor. Hours, 75 a week minimum. Pay, few cents an hour. Added inducement. Two meals a day, including several ounces of bad bread and a cup of thin soup. Don't delay. Apply at once. How would you respond to a want ad like that, Mr. and Mrs. American working man and woman? You'd laugh, wouldn't you, and throw the paper in the trash basket. Dismiss the whole advertisement as some kind of a joke. But believe me, it's no joke. 
It's a simple statement of the working conditions that exist today in Nazi Germany and the conquered countries under Nazi rule. It's also an exact statement of the working conditions that will be imposed on you and every member of your family if the Nazis win this war. You yourself personally can stop them from winning, as you know. You don't have to give up your well-paid job to do it. You needn't have to be a soldier or a sailor or an airman or a nurse or a war worker to ensure American victory. Uncle Sam doesn't ask plain, ordinary, hard-working citizens like you to give him anything. All he asks, all this he does ask very seriously and very urgently, is that you loan him ten cents out of every dollar you make. That's all there is to it. Lend Uncle Sam a dime to win this war. And he'll pay you back with interest when he's won it. The easiest, most convenient way to lend him these dimes is to enroll in the payroll savings plan. Just tell your boss to deduct 10 cents from every dollar he pays you and lend it to Uncle Sam in your name. Sign up for this simple savings plan today and when victory comes, you will have war bonds in your pockets instead of Axis bonds on your wrists. Suspense will be heard again two weeks from tonight. Next Wednesday night, September 9th, the Columbia Broadcasting System will present over many of these stations at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Wartime an address by W. Averill Harriman, the United States Land Lease Administrator in London. Mr. Harriman, as the personal representative of the President of the United States, attended the Moscow conferences between Winston Churchill and Joseph Stalin. Next Wednesday's broadcast will be Mr. Harriman's first public address since his return to this country. Suspense is produced and directed by William Spear. John Dietz was our guest director this evening. Tonight's radio drama was written by Lucille Fletcher. The original score was by Bernard Herman. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. Stay tuned for Lucille Ball in My Favorite Husband, next on Theater of the Mind. Time now to go back to 1949 to hear what radio audiences were tuning into that year. Here's My Favorite Husband, starring Lucille Ball. Yes, it's the new Gay Family series starring Lucille Ball with Richard Denning. Brought to you by the Jell-O family of desserts. J-E-L-L-O, the big red letters stand for the Jell-O family. Oh, the big red letters stand for the Jell-O family. That's Jell-O. Yum, yum, yum. Jell-O pudding. Yum, yum, yum. Jell-O tapioca pudding. Just so And now Lucille Ball with Richard Denning as Liz and George Cooper. Two people who live together and like it. As we look in on the Coopers today, they're in the living room preparing to decorate their Christmas tree. George is snipping a twig here and one there to balance the tree, and Liz is just bringing in the ornaments. Here are the Christmas tree ornaments. Oh, George, you never know when to stop. Look what you've done to that tree. Oh, I just want it to be symmetrical, that's all. I only cut a few twigs off the top. A few twigs. I'm up to my spine in pine. Good heavens, is that the same tree we had a minute ago? Yes, George wants to be different. 
We'll have the only Christmas tree in town with a butch haircut. <laughs> Go on now, get a new tree. I tell you what, I'll buy you a tree on Monday. They'll be much cheaper then. Oh, how could I have married a man with no sentiment? I wonder if it's too late to have our marriage annulled. Yeah, you better not try it. I might not take you back again. <laughs> you might not take me back again. Ha! <laughs> that does it. Now I wouldn't marry you again if you were the last woman in the world. If I was the last woman in the world, I wouldn't have to get married. <laughs> Touche. Oh, don't worry, George. I'll keep you, you unromantic, dull, old, wonderful you. Uh, thank you. <laughs> Too bad we didn't live in the old days. We could just jump in our sleigh and go caroling out into the woods after a Christmas tree. Ah, nobody ever did that. That's propaganda. It is not. I'll show you. Where's that Christmas card the Roni sent us? I'll take your word Here for it. Here it is. But... See the picture? A beautiful little country scene with people riding along in a sleigh and caroling. See? You know what that is? They're dragging in back of the sleigh. One of the carolers had too much eggnog? <laughs> no, that's a Yule log. Mm. That's what they did in those days. They were more full of spirit then. Mm. Especially, especially that guy they're dragging behind a sleigh. Oh, now stop it. George, let's get a sleigh and a bunch of people and go out and sing Christmas carols. Oh, be sensible, Liz. What are you going to do? Go down to Honest Chris Kringle's and buy a used sleigh? <laughs> well, why not? Maybe we could get one that was only pulled by an elderly reindeer from Pasadena. <laughs> Go on now. Run along and get me a new tree. All right. Where's my coat? George. Mm -hmm. Here. I'll give you one last chance to prove you have a soul. Now, if I can get a sleigh someplace, will you go caroling with me? I think I can safely say yes. Okay, that's a challenge. I'll get one or my name isn't Gladys Cramhopper. Gladys Cramhopper, that isn't your name. I know, I'm not taking any chances. Hello. Sam's livery stable? I'd like to rent a sleigh. Sleigh. S-L-A-Y. <laughs> E-Y? E-I-G-H? Are you kidding? Oh, you do? Well, how much is it? What do you mean, with or without reindeer? No, this is not Santa Claus. Goodbye. Oh, it's no use, Katie. Nobody in town rents slaves. Oh, too bad. <laughs> Have we got a cuckoo clock? <laughs> oh, it's Mr. Wood from next door. Oh, I'll let him in. Close the door. What's the matter? <laughs> Mrs. Cooper, could I hide out in your house for a few minutes? Hide out? What's wrong, Mr. Wood? It's Christmas vacation, and my 11 children are with me 24 hours a day. <laughs> my house is like living in the... My, it's quiet in here. <laughs> well, 11 children must be quite a problem on Christmas. Tell me, do they all hang up their stockings? You wouldn't believe it. Stockings on the mantle, stockings on the chairs, stockings on the curtains. It looks like the washing machine exploded in the living room. Oh, I'll bet you love every minute of it. Uh, well, I must admit it's nice on Christmas morning when we all gather in front of the tree. Mrs. Wood, myself, and the 11 children. I'll bet you can't see the tree for the woods. <laughs> You get it? See, your name is Wood, and then Mrs. I... Mrs. Cooper. What? 
That joke is one of my oldest friends. If one of our children hasn't made up that joke by the time he's five, we throw him away. Well, I guess it's safe for me to go home now. The Battle of Santa Claus should be about over. Battle? Yes. Every year the believers beat up on the non-believers. <laughs> of course, there are more believers, counting Mrs. Wood and myself. You believe in Santa Claus? Certainly. I don't know who's been filling my children with those lies about his not being real. Oh, well, you're just the man I want, Mr. Wood. Can you carol? Oh, like a lark. <laughs> Deck the halls with boughs of holly. Fa la 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 la. Tis the season to be jolly. Fa la 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 la. Look, I. we know our gay apparel. Fa la 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 la. I'm sorry I got carried away. <laughs> Mr. Wood, uh, let me tell you my problem. I want to get a group together and go caroling. Oh, jolly. <laughs> but, but we haven't got a sleigh. Oh, well, let's see now. Where can we get... I know, I know there's one down at the antique store, and I know the owner, Joe Gundelfinger. Joe Gundelfinger? That's an odd name. You should have heard it before he changed it. <laughs> changed it? Yes, his name used to be Joe Gundlefoot. Well, do you think that Mr. G uh, uh, Joe would uh, rent it to us or lend it to us? Well, I'm sure of it. He's a very good friend of mine. Come on, let's go down there. It's just a few blocks. Oh, George will be so surprised. Let's go. God rest you, merry gentlemen. <laughs> Here it is, Mrs. Cooper. Gundelfinger's Antique Shop. Oh, and there's the sleigh. Gosh, it's an old rickety one. Well, he just keeps it in the front yard as sort of an ornament. But I think it'll work. Yeah, well, if we take the pots of ivy out of it. So let's go in and see if you'll let us have it. Oh, the door's closed. Oh, no, wait. There's a note on the door there. Uh, what yeah. does it say? Closed Friday at court having my name changed again. <laughs> Signed, Joe Gundelfinger. P.S. Watch for grand opening of Smith's Antique Store. <laughs> oh, that's too bad. He had to pick today to change his name. Well, let's just borrow the sleigh. He won't mind. Well... Oh, uh, come on. Well, how will we get it home? Maybe he has some antique reindeer. I think we can drag it. Oh, gee, it looks too heavy. Oh, don't underestimate me, Miss Cooper. I'm a regular Samson. <laughs> it... Ooh. <clears throat> <laughs> uh, what's the matter, Samson? Have your hair cut? <laughs> oh, here comes Mr. Negley. Maybe he can help you pull it. Little Mr. Negley or Mrs. Cooper, if Samson can't pull it, what help will Delilah be? <laughs> oh, Mr. Wood, you shouldn't talk like that. He can't help it if he's small. Good morning, Mrs. Cooper. <laughs> Good morning, Delilah. I mean, Mr. Negley. Good morning, Mr. Negley. Good morning, Mr. Wood. Mr. Negley, you're just in time. We're trying to get this sleigh home. Will you help us pull it? Oh, I'd like to, but I just couldn't. I've been delivering mail since 7 o'clock this morning. I'm plum poop. 
guess you mailmen have to expect a lot of work at Christmas time. <laughs> Christmas? So that's what it is. <laughs> Mr. Negley, you're pulling my leg. Oh, Mrs. Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that this is the end of my route. You know, I have so much mail I can't carry my bag. I put it on a sled and drag it around after me. Yeah, well, that makes sense. It's fun, too. When the mail's gone, I belly whop all the way home. <laughs> I'm pretty good at it, too. Well, I used to be the block champion. Oh, so did I. I can still beat all my 11 kids. I bet I can even beat both of you belly whopping. Well, you should. You got more to whop with than we have. <laughs> Mrs. Cooper. <laughs> Look, this isn't getting the sleigh home. We're going to have a sleighing party, Mr. Negley. Oh, uh, can you sing? Sing? Deck the halls with bows of holly. Fa la 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 la. <laughs> Let's take him along anyway. <laughs> Thing. Oh, say, I have a better idea. Let me run home and get my motorcycle. We can pull the sleigh with that. Oh, good. I'll sled home. That'll be faster. Okay. We can leave as soon as Mr. Cooper gets here. Oh, where is George, anyhow? Well, I'm all set. I've brought my blanket, my mittens, my earmuff, and a hot toddy bottle. <laughs> you mean a hot water bottle? Just for that, you can't drink out of it. <laughs> I've got a thermos full of hot chocolate. Will you be warm enough, Turtle Dove? Oh, yes. I've got on my galoshes and an extra pair of longies. Oh, here comes George. Hi, George! Hey, what's going on? I told you I could get a sleigh. Come on, we're going caroling and bring home a Yule log. Oh, now, Liz. You promise. Come on, get in the sleigh. Hang on tight, everybody. All set, Mr. Negley? Content. Here we go. Up, Donder. Down, Negley. Up, motor. Down, cycle. Hey, Mr. Negley, come back for us. You forgot to put the harness on it. Back to the Coopers. The sleigh proved too much of a load for Mr. Negley's motorcycle, and we find our old-fashioned carolers heeding that old-fashioned advice, get a horse. They're trudging down the street, horseward bound. It's only a couple of blocks further. Katie, are you sure the milkman will lend us his horse? He said he would on the phone. Oh, it's cold. Let's keep moving, huh? Yeah, my goosebumps are nudging each other to keep warm. <laughs> Gee, look in that window. Those people have a fire in the fireplace. Doesn't that look good? Yeah. Oh, I bet it's warm in there. Hey, I got a wonderful idea. We're supposed to be carolers. Well, let's serenade this house, and maybe they'll ask us in. Oh, that's a good jingle. idea. Uh, what'll we sing? Well, how about jingle bells? Okay. Uh, give us the key. Huh? Give us the key. 
Oh, I don't bother with keys. I just sing. Here we go. One, two, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride the one horse open sleigh. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride the one horse open sleigh. Oh, oh, look, look, someone's coming to the window. Oh, Carolers. Yes? Come a little closer to the window. Oh, come on, he wants to thank us. Well, mister, how did you like it? Oh, 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 we had to pick Scrooge's house. Oh. Are, are you enjoying your old-fashioned Christmas, Liz? Oh, shut up and help me chip this water off. Would you like some hot chocolate? I brought the thermos along. Oh, Katie, you're a lifesaver. Oh, the cork is stuck. Here, I'll hold the top. I don't know what he got so mad about. It sounded pretty good to me. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Well, how do you like that? What? I had this thermos cup in my hand, and that man dropped a quarter in it. <laughs> this may be the start of a great new business. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Let me see your license. License? What for? Caroling? No, panhandling. Panhandling? Now, just a minute. We weren't panhandling. This cup is for hot chocolate. Sure, and you always sweeten it with a lump of money. <laughs> oh, that was just a coincidence. Yeah. Yeah. Katie was trying to get the cork out, and I was just holding the cup out like this, and I... Merry Christmas, lady. Now, wait a minute. <laughs> Not panhandling, eh? I knew the minute I looked at you, you were a bunch of bums. Oh, yeah? Well, this bum here happens to be George Cooper. Now, now, let me handle this, Liz. Uh, officer, I'm George Cooper, vice president of the Sheridan Falls National Bank. What? Yeah, and these other bums are important people, too. Liz, please. Uh, we were just caroling, officer. Well, I don't know. I, uh... Oh, oh, listen to that beautiful speaking voice. Huh? Oh, I'll bet you sing a wonderful bass. Oh, it's not so good. Oh, come on, give us the honor of singing one song with you. Well, I'm on duty, but... Uh, <clears throat> uh, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle... Oh, go on and get out of here, and no more caroling. Oh, well, Merry Christmas. Jingle bells, jingle bells. Yes? What is it? What's the matter? I, I, I'd like to report it a stolen vehicle, please. Yeah. Well, uh, wait till I get my book out and I'll take down all the details. Okay. Yeah, what's your name? Schmidt. No, no, no. Uh, no? No, my name is Gundelfinger. Yeah, it wouldn't be Schmidt for a couple of weeks yet. <laughs> uh, why? Are you getting married? <laughs> No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm just changing my name. It's still Gundelfinger. <laughs> uh, Gundelfinger. Yeah. Uh, G. U. You wouldn't like to come back in a couple of weeks and report this, would you? <laughs> no, no, no. I, I want to catch the teeth right now. Yeah, okay. Uh, what was the license number? It didn't have a license number. It was just out in front of my shop with Ivy in it. <laughs> Ivy who? <laughs> 
just ivy, little leaves and stems. Yes, yes. Uh, what was the make? Uh, a flexible flyer. Huh? Yeah, what's their big model? Oh, sedan, huh? No. No, no. One horse open. <laughs> what kind of an automobile was this? It wasn't an automobile. It was a sleigh. <laughs> and I, I gotta get it back. I need that sleigh for Christmas. Yes, of course. And when did you first notice it was missing, Mr. Claus? <laughs> no, 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 please, Gundelfinger. <laughs> you don't understand. It's an antique sleigh, and I got a customer who's going to buy it for a Christmas present. He's going to make a lamp out of it. <laughs> yes, of course. I'll keep my eyes open. I'll look in back of every horse I see. <laughs> oh, thank you. Still enough, heilige Man to lend us his horse. Come on, let's sing again. One, two, three. Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle all the way. Just a minute, let's dispense with all this singing. Hi, officer. Sheesh. It's you again, them bums. I see you got someone to sing in my place. Uh, no, let me guess. You just happened to hold out a cup, and someone dropped a horse into it. <laughs> Officer, I know it looks bad. Now, you go home and stay there. I'm going to just charge this off to Christmas madness. First, some crackpot reports a stolen sleigh. Now I find you with a singing horse. A stolen sleigh? Uh, uh, who was who it stolen from? You wouldn't believe the man's name if I told it to you. <laughs> now run along, and if I catch you out again, I'm going to run you in. Understand? Oh yes, and thank you, Merry Gundel, uh, uh, Happy, uh, Merry Christmas, Officer. Come on, everybody, let's go. <laughs> Oh, no, we're taking this sleigh back to Gintelfunger, the finger. <laughs> oh, George, let's take a little ride. Nothing doing. Just a little eensy-teensy one. You heard what the cop said. This is stolen property. Oh, but that cop's the only one who knows, and, and we'll be out of his district in a minute. We can take the sleigh back later. No. Well, let's take a boat. What do you three in the back seat say? Oh, I'd like to go for a long ride. I like holding your hand under the blanket, Katie. Why, Katie. I like holding your hand, too, Katie. Why, Katie. I don't know what either of you are talking about. Both my hands are in my pockets. <laughs> Let go of my hand, Mr. Negley. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Come on, horse. This is no time to stop. Get up. What's the matter with him? Stop! Uh oh, look, look down at the corner. Here comes that cop. Let's oh. get out of here, Liz. Come on, horse, get going. 
Oh, no, he stopped again. Get up, darn it. This is no time to play games. Get up! Stop in the name of the law! Oh, that's better. Hey, this horse is a stool pigeon. He's turning us over to that cop. I'm afraid this is part of the milkman's route. Oh, no! (laughs) Oh, fine. The horse is stopping at each house to deliver milk. Let's get out and run for it. (laughs) No, no, give me those reins, Liz. I'll get him off the route. Turn left at this corner. That'll do it. Okay. Stop the route, shoot! Come on, horse. We're turning here. (laughs) He won't turn. Come on, horse. We're going left. Left, do you hear? Careful, George. He's breaking loose. <laughs> oh, great. Stranded in the middle of an intersection with a hot sleigh. Hands up. Hands up, you. I got your covered. Hi, officer. <laughs> Because I wanted to go and get a Yule log. Save your breath. You're coming to the station. But it's Christmas time. I know. And I'm going to give you a little present. It's a cell marked, do not open till after Christmas. <laughs> Look, officer, we were really on our way back to Gundelfingers to return the sleigh. Yes, he's a very good friend of mine. Well, I'll go with you and be sure you do return it. And I'll give you exactly ten to get it out of this intersection. One. But we don't have a horse. How can we get it out? Two. That's your worry. Three. All right, fellas, get down there. What? Oh, you get down there and pull. I'll steer. Five. Oh, wait till I get you homeless. I'll take this shaft. Uh, Would you and Eggly take the other? Six. Come on, boys. That's the old you. Yes, Lucille, what's on the agenda for tonight? Well, you don't have to get nasty about it. (laughs) I just wanted to tell you what we're going to do. We're going to the North Pole. The North Pole? Yes, to visit Santa Claus. I'll be a little girl who's waited all year for Santa. Hey, are you Santa Claus, huh? Are you? Huh? Yeah, I'm Santa. Oh, well, where's your red suit? And where's your reindeer? They're all put away. I'm not going anyplace this Christmas. Oh, you're not? Nope. Ah! Ah! <laughs> well, why should I? I've been giving away things for as long as I can remember. Nobody ever gave me anything. Well, if you go, I'll give you a, a, a live frog. I don't want one. Well, I'll, I'll give you some uh, bubble gum. No. Hardly chewed? No. I'll give you, I'll give you a sled and a big doll, and, I, and I'll even give you some jello. No, I'm not going... Did you say jello? You see, that always gets him. Real jello? Yep. 
And it's six delicious flavors. Uh, strawberry and, and raspberry and raspberry and strawberry and, and lime and orange and lemon. With the flavor locked in by a special process so it can't get out till your first delectable spoonful. Uh-huh. So good it makes you think of the real ripe fruit itself. Uh-huh. I can't wait to look for the big red letters on the box. I'll make my regular trip this year. Ho, 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 ho. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> You have been listening to My Favorite Husband, starring Lucille Ball with Richard Nanning, and based on characters created by Isabel Scott Rorick. Tonight's program was produced and directed by Jess Oppenheimer, who wrote the script with Madeline Pugh and Bob Carroll, Jr. Original music was composed by Marlon Skiles and conducted by Wilbur Hatch. The part of Katie, the maid, was played by Ruth Parrott. Watch for Lucille Ball in the Columbia picture, Miss Grant Takes Richmond. And be sure to listen to Lucille Ball in My Favorite Husband again next week, presented by... J-E-L-L-O, oh, the big red letters stand for the Jell-O family. Oh, the big red letters stand for the Jell-O family. That's Jell-O. Yum, yum, yum. Jell-O puddings. Yum, yum, yum. Jell-O cup. Fioca pudding. Just so Listen to Lucille Ball and My Favorite Husband again next week. Bob Lamont speaking. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Thank you very much for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Sherlock Holmes, followed by Father Knows Best. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.